hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. My name is Harrison. I am the worship arts director here at Lake Forest Church in Huntersville. And hey, it's Mike Moses, lead pastor here at Lake Forest Church, Huntersville. Good to see you today, Harrison. Uh, Today we're going to answer a question out of the sermon uh, two weeks ago now, two Sundays ago, Jesus over outrage. Uh, And just just a single, we're just going to hit one question um, briefly. uh, But first of all, this past Sunday was um, the first time we've had a snow day on a Sunday since uh, all this pandemic stuff, right. and almost every church has had to cowboy up with a video presence, and it was really different approaching the decision whether or not to cancel in-person worship or not. Yeah, it was a lot less uh, stressful for us here, it felt like, because we, uh, we've we been practicing this at various stages over the pandemic. There were days where, uh, at the very beginning, where Mike, it'd be uh, you and I and a band and some people on cameras, <laughs> and that was it in the whole room, yeah. and everyone in the whole church was participating from a distance, so these are muscles that we've gotten a little more used to flexing, so it was really easy uh, and pretty not stressful a little earlier in the week to look at the weather that looked like it was coming and saying, you know what, let's let's just... Uh, Let's just have people join us remotely and and make things a little safer and easier. Well, it helped that it was such a definitive forecast by the end of the week. Um, I remember days of, like, it would be such a bummer to cancel church. We didn't want to do it ahead of time, and that's when also most people gave physically. Uh, People weren't doing online giving then, and honestly, everybody in the church world knew back in those days that if you missed a Sunday— Whatever that giving would have been generally was not made up. So that's just sort of an added layer to it. Now the majority of our congregation gives online. Uh, also, um, everyone has the, the grooved habit of when it's required for them to worship virtually, they can. So it just didn't feel as high stakes to go all virtual. Back in those days, it would be maybe you, me, and Mitch. We'd say, okay, at 5 a.m., we're all going to walk out to the end of our driveway, see what we see, (laughs) and make the call about church. And it was nice to make the call early, and so we pre-recorded Saturday at noon, and a lot of our servants would just thank you to all of our tech and band folks who come in as volunteers, and uh, everybody came in 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 the middle of their Saturday and recorded a really beautiful worship experience, I thought. Yeah, and if we, uh, unless in the future we invest in... uh you know, snowmobile buses to pick people up. We felt <laughs> confident that it was there were not going to be many people swinging in on Sunday morning, considering the Man. amount of wet, cold stuff falling on the ground. So yeah, it was it was good. I woke up to a text from Harrison that said um, we made the right call. So <laughs> That's I right. Appreciated that. That was better than your text to me last night yeah. about the Miami uh, UNC basketball game. Oh, that was just fun. That was a, that was a good night. You know. We don't have to spend too much time there, but I would like to point out as a uh, Miami person that this this uh, ACC has had to deal with both Duke and North Carolina getting beat by the Hurricanes in the last couple of weeks, so it feels pretty good. I don't have that much to cheer about, so I'm taking it, I'm running with it, and it works for me. So You've been wearing that Miami shirt all week, haven't you? I have. Mm-hmm. I have been wearing mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's like a quarter of my wardrobe. I just don't normally <laughs> wear it around here as much, but... Uh, well, let's get right to it. As Mike said, we uh, this is not going to be our, our longest episode. We really just wanted to, uh, as as the name of the podcast, uh, there are times throughout 
the history of us doing this is we're on actually episode 71 this time, Mike, which Goodness. is crazy, isn't it? That uh, we, which by the way, if you're listening, we have an, an email address set up, uh, asklfc at lakeforest.org, which is the email address that this question came to. Yeah, we, we, we got a lot of feedback on this sermon, Jesus over outrage. Lots of, I always appreciate how affirming Lake Forest people are. A whole lot of affirmations and thank you for that and Thank you for uh, whacking us on both sides of our head, the right and the left. Yep. <laughs> That's <laughs> that, was, right. that was one man walking out, one couple actually walking out. So it was kind of funny. But one question that we thought would be worth um, just passing along today, and, and we'll treat it for a few minutes. Yeah, this is, uh, this is from uh, Let's a, keep it anonymous. anonymous person <laughs> that uh, well, we know well from around uh, Lake Forest here who said this. A super servant. Yeah, a super awesome servant. Person. Great person. Uh, as you talked a couple weeks ago about Jesus over outrage, it said, uh, Hi, Pastor Mike. I agree. <clears throat> I agree with the underlying message I heard today, but I have a hard time balancing the concept uh, with speaking truth. I've heard a quote in a sermon by J.D. Greer, who is pointing to Tim Keller, that speaking truth without grace is mean, but speaking gracefully without truth is a lie. So let me say that again, because that was, that was a, a, a cool thought there. Speaking truth without grace is just being mean. That was just being a blunt, true, meany person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, speaking gracefully without truth uh, are just pretty sounding lies. You're just helping to appease mm-hmm. people. So right. With with hey, the, you're doing great. While there's <laughs> actually a fire, the house is on fire. Exactly. Yeah. So with that as the backdrop, uh, she has some questions in here, uh, summarizing a bit, and I'll get to her main question at the end. But when you look at how the church takes a, a stand as it relates to sin, especially in a culture that is is driven a lot by sexual sins, by uh, gender identity things by the, which she even says, celebrating many things that are against God's revealed will in Scripture. That's right. So none of these things are a uh, maybe a primary thing, but they all can be important uh, as you build your your worldview around uh, around Christ. So she said, if we see a problem sin based and we don't talk about it in a loving setting. Are we responsible in God's eyes for not shepherding his children? Thanks for opening up this dialogue. Oh, that's, that is a, that's a good question and an observation. I, I think we 100% agree with that, passing that along from Tim Keller. Um, in so, fact, it's written in our uh, core values as Lake Forest. Our, our top, we have five core values or core passions on our website. The number one one is welcome who Jesus welcomed, people who've given up on church but not on God. Um, the second core value is love like Jesus um, with grace and truth. So it's actually written into our, uh, into our core values. So, yeah, I guess the – as I heard her, her question, Mike, I would say um, – Let's kick this thought around for a second because it strikes me that I feel like uh, the way that we as Christ followers respond to other Christ followers is probably a different message, tone, setting than it would be for us as Christ followers addressing someone who does not follow 
God at all. Does mm-hmm. that does that sound right to you? It does. I, I remember thinking about this uh, in college. I was really involved in my campus Christian fellowship, and I was a leader in it. And I was also really involved in my fraternity, um, and and I and I was passionate for Christ. In fact, um, and they all knew that. Uh, I insisted on there being part of the budget in our fraternity of having Diet Coke at the bar for me and my Christian friends at the parties, and they all thought that was cute, And but they always had Diet Coke there. I don't know why I drank Diet Coke. I was so skinny then. Diet Coke? Why would that have been? It was probably real Coke. I'm probably just remembering that wrong. I hope it was. I was so skinny. <laughs> Man, that guy was skinny. Um, I miss him. Um, but I was leading an evangelistic Bible study on the Gospel of John every week in my fraternity house, and then I was in discipleship groups in the InterVarsity, and there were some InterVarsity folks who had questions about me being in a fraternity, but um, I remember really dealing with this of going, I don't walk around slamming or my fraternity mates' ethical decisions, most of which, many, most of which I disagreed with, particularly sexual, sexually, slamming them because, and say, you're breaking God's rules because they don't claim to be following God's rules. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually okay with them holding me accountable <laughs> for following God's will uh, because I claim to be a follower of Jesus. Um, now, in my discipleship group in InterVarsity, we held each other very accountable for God's ethics. For we, I mean, we were studying those things, looking into them. So I, I think and now if we could relate it back to the sermon on, on Jesus over outrage, um, I was— particularly commenting on the epidemic of um, uh, ugly outrage on social media. Mm-hmm. That was the, uh, the the most pointed context. And I'll just re-quote a verse that I believe I read. This uh, The ESV version happened to come up on my phone, Colossians 4, 5, and 6. So this would be toward outsiders. So let's think about which would mean I might want to address a, uh, something about sexual ethics for Christians on my social media, but I've got so many friends on social media who are not believers, they will be listening in and receiving that as to them. Um, And so I I think our social media posts always have to have the thought of of this in mind, Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, meaning those outside the Christian faith, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious. There's the thing that Keller said seasoned with salt and there I think Paul means the saltiness of truth um, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person so let walk in wisdom toward outsiders let your speech always be gracious so and I emphasize that word always on that Sunday so we never have a license to not include grace with the truth um, so that's the first thing I think about that which is hard it's I mean it's it's hard on social media, especially when you see something and you just have the perfect thing. You could just cut someone so good. You score some good internet points and feel yeah. great about how clever you are. And with everyone on your side. Yeah, with everyone on your side. And it's it's hard. Uh, it's hard sometimes taking a, a higher road than the, the person who you feel like is against you. But it just has so much to do with. I mean, affirming the humanity of people, even that you disagree with. Well, you know? and I think 
Um, when we talk about the truth of God's word to really sensitive matters, and, and I, I think the questioner was referring particularly to sexual ethics and gender fluidity and matters of that sort, um, to, to address that part of God's truth to a person who's not a Christian is on social media and is not asking us that question yeah. um, is, is generally, I've never experienced that producing any fruit of conviction or, oh, wow, I hadn't thought about that. And like, never. I do think that's where in relationship, I, I do think that a Christian may bear, to, to the point made at the end of the question, may bear some responsibility if I'm in close relationship with someone who's not a Christian, and I see them in danger of wrecking their life in a way because, you know, they're not operating according to God's operating instructions in the Scripture, then I do want to share the truth about that part of life with them graciously, as, as the questioner said, always in a, and, a, and I think that's where the questioner got at it. I, I think uh, it says something like, in a setting of love. Mm-hmm. And AKA not social media. Yeah. Well, at, like ever public. Yeah. But relationally, absolutely. Hey, I'm concerned for you. This could take you down. And I'm not, I'm not here to, I don't have to make you do anything. I think God's best is. What do you think about that? You know, I, th- I think the relationship aspect of that is so key because I, it's kind of sobering. We, we had some conversations among our staff here around. Uh, you know how how we present ourselves on social media, some things like this over the past handful of years, mm-hmm. which were healthy, productive mm-hmm. conversations. And someone made a comment that kind of stuck with me that uh, I'll put in a little bit of different context. But it's 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 really for you to enter into an internet conversation, just to throw your viewpoint out there unasked with a person you don't have a relationship with. It's really not it's really not very different from you being the person outside of Bank of America Stadium before a Panthers game with a megaphone and a, you know, a, a sign that's name-calling against people that you don't agree with, you think aren't following God, or standing up on our stage mm-hmm. with a giant microphone and yelling at the top of your lungs exactly the thing that you just typed. It's just as public and just mm-hmm. as out there and absent of relationship, uh, that's that's basically what you're doing. <laughs> Let me so. give a pro- an example of a private relational thing. On, on a, I think one of the, if, if I heard you right a moment ago, an issue the questioner asked. I have a friend um, whose uh, adult brother has a couple of children, and they have a four-year-old boy who um, began a... Uh, wanting to play with some girls' toys. Yeah. And um, this child's parents, are they're not Christians. In fact, they're they are quite anti-Christian. Uh, their upbringing was Christian, and, and for some hurts in their life and their own reasons, I don't know these people, um, they're, they're anti, zealously anti-Christian. Well, they went the way of something that's in the water culturally of they saw this boy give one little thing of, being interested in a doll, and they almost chose to celebrate. Hey, maybe he's transgender. Hmm. And uh, now I'm I'm I don't know this a lot of details about this situation, so I'm I don't want to act like I, I know more about it than I do. 
But it was a little bit of what's in the culture right now, like that's actually the cool thing. And so this kid is only four with very little time between that moment. And they they projected onto this child and are beginning to call him her, hmm. uh, dress him in dresses and things like that, uh, and almost bending the child that way. Now, my friend, who is the, the dad's brother, really wrestled as a believer, like, this just doesn't, it doesn't seem wise psychologically and emotionally, number one. And if you check the science on it, that it's not, um, whether you're a believer or not. And then number two, for lots of reasons, biblically and psychologically, this is not wise to inculcate this in a child. And they really wrestled with how much are we going to say, what are we going to say? Because we're going to be in this, uh, I'm an uncle. Yeah. And so the, their decision as Christians was to say, we, we'd just like to have a conversation with you. Um, we're going to just kind of tell you one time what, what we think would be wise here. Uh, and yeah, what we think would be God's best. But that's our faith. We know that you don't share that faith. Here's what we also think is best psychologically for the child. Um, we're not going to, this won't be a subject every time we get together. We love you. We're going to love your child. Um, so, but we just wanted to, because we love you, it would be unloving to not tell you our counsel. You, you haven't asked for it, so we're not going to give it over and over. And we're here to tell you we're going to love the heck out of your boy the rest of his life. No matter how y'all raise him, what you do, we're here. We're family. We love the heck out of you. It was actually, it was a hard conversation, but it was received as loving, and they actually have a better relationship after. That couple did not take their counsel. Uh, again, they weren't asking for it. But it was a case that I think this questioner is getting at. If there's something that's just really glaring, you know, is it unloving to never address it? And and that in that case, this friend of mine, who's one of the believers I respect the most in this world, decided it, it would have been unloving to never address it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's <clears throat> if you care about somebody and you have a relationship with them, then that's where more do- more doors get open like that for sure. So that that makes a lot of now, sense. Now I think another angle on it, on yeah. So <laughs> not on social media because on social media, no matter how nice you say it, it probably will come across as outrage or will provoke outrage. Yeah. Um, maybe that's too uh, too um, I don't know too flippant for me to say it like that. Now on the other hand, I and this may have been Harrison see. Tell me if if this is part of the question. Mm -hmm. Within the church, we are responsible. I I, I do think this was maybe implied in the question. Uh, Honestly, we as church leaders and the church are responsible to teach all of uh, what we call God's counsel, the full counsel of Scripture. And that means not hiding what we think is God's truth about primary matters. We're really good at that at Lake Forest, like the fundamentals of the faith yep. we, we don't hide that at all uh and the questioners may be saying even some matters though however that are secondary like we would never like you can join our church and disagree with us over sexual ethics but not over whether jesus is lord mm-hmm. right Th- that's a difference in a member but that we owe fellow believers the fullness of god's teaching on things like sexual ethics and that is really true. Even so, even doing so lovingly, that's why I really respect what our remix 
group, to our teenagers, for instance, they they do something on sexuality, sex, gender uh, from scriptures, and they hit every hard question. If if I understand it correctly, I haven't attended it every year generally in the month of February. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think that's like the the and the part of the difference of that of us being Christ followers together is that there is a spoken in kind of unspoken contract that people have being a part of a Christian community like this, which is like, Hey, I'm giving you permission to speak into some of these areas of my life. I want, I want you to, I want to hear what you Mike as a pastor have to say about these things that what leaders, people that we respect who have walked these roads before. So again, it's like, there's just such a big difference between like invited or relational conversations Mm -hmm. and, completely uninvited to a stranger yeah. or acquaintance level person in in the ability for those things to be able to be heard and received in love well and, and knowing when it's, when it's a good time to go there. So I think that's a big difference as well. We, we all as Christ followers want to uh, sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron. So we're like, you know, let's tell, tell me about it. Like I want to know. So, and we're, we're pro- we're a church, and I'm a pastor. I would say who probably errs a little too far on the side of not teaching some of the primary, secondary matters of our faith, like biblical sexual ethics. I, I honestly, I probably am not clear about that quite often enough. Uh, my priority is that anyone coming into the church, Christian or non-Christian, would stumble first and foremost over the gospel and over Jesus, because. Mm. In Corinthians, Paul says he's the stumbling block, and grace is a scandalon in that in the Greek. And so I'm I'm a bit more concerned than your average pastor that people don't stumble over mistaking our. Uh, I wouldn't want somebody to stumble over Christian ethics before they get to the heart of Christianity, which is Jesus. Because once your heart is changed by Jesus, then. You understand that his ethics are for your good. Mm-hmm. And so that's a reason why I probably emphasize some of the ethics, including sexual ethics, a, a bit less than some other, uh, you might say, Bible-teaching churches. However, we seek in periods to be clear and so that people can always know where we stand. So, for example, one of the benefits of being a part of a denomination is we have clear doctrine. You can go to our denomination's website. Here is what we believe. Here are position papers on mm-hmm. human sexuality, on gender, on abortion, uh, etc., uh, on uh, divorce and remarriage, for example. So we're c- we stand on very clear doctrine and settled positions on on uh, biblical ethics. We choose not to all the time be like a, a truth shotgun at people. For the reason of that quote, we're going we're gonna to give grace and we're going to give truth and we're going to focus the truth around the person of Jesus because he is the truth. And it's only him that changes our heart, uh, not falling in love with right behavior, I guess. Yeah, sure. Sure. Good stuff, man. But we are responsible to be clear about biblical truth uh, uh, so that the sheep have accurate food and uh, not only milk but meat. That's true. Um, we think about that sometimes here in our sermon plan. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's different 
things that that different people need to hear and are ready to hear, but especially for those who are in the body of Christ and call themselves Christ followers, there are uh, there are some tougher conversations you can have because uh, to to the point of our questioner's question, like you said at the end here, she said, "Are we responsible in God's eyes for not shepherding His children?" And and you know there are some some spots where we are just called to help each other see the the to grow in learning and understanding and to help each other see some blind spots so and i i maybe in, as we move toward the close here we we actually were, i think <clears throat> held ourselves accountable for that a couple of years ago when we realized uh that uh human sexuality uh homosexuality and uh lgbtq plus and issues were so rampant in our country, and it had been quite a long time since we had focused a Sunday on what does God's Word teach about it. And so I, I would say we sort of realized we need to make ourselves do that, and so we had a full-focused Sunday. Boy, did I have a lot of follow-up conversations with uh, people who agreed or disagreed with what the Bible teaches um, on uh, sexuality, but all those conversations were with people that I had relationship with. And so I could uphold, we taught a biblically orthodox view, and uh, and I enjoyed my follow-up with people going, does the Bible really teach that? Oh. Well, we uh, thank you again for sending in the question to us. That line is always open. That email address uh, goes right to us all the time. So if, uh, if you have a question for us, it always makes for a, uh, a uh, fun podcast for us when we get to do some interacting with that. So we appreciate it to our uh, question asker today. Yes, we will talk to you next time on the Ask LFC podcast. See you guys. <laughs>